Welcome to You Don't Even Like This Band, a podcast about bands you probably don't even like. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Andy Sell, and Travis Clark. Hey, Andy. What? Hey, Travis. Hey, Adam. Are you ready? Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. The fact that we're starting Harvest 2, the quarantine, with Andy in mid-cough. Wow. Is quite possibly a huge twist. Twist. Good thing we are not in the same room for this. Welcome to season two of Pod the Life, everybody. Woo! Y'all want a sequel? I don't, I remember, remember, y'all wanted a sequel. Y'all wanted a single. They had a song. Y'all wanted a single. Yeah, this y'all wanted a double. Yeah, of course. Travis and I both instantly remembered that. Totally. (laughs) How's everybody doing? Great. Uh, Fine. Why? What's up? (laughs) Is there something going on? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, lots of tanks in L.A., but I assume that's normal for this time of year. Uh, That's the. yeah, but they're but they're Tesla tanks. They're cyber tanks. There were tanks in Burbank. I don't know. I'm in Torrance. There's no tanks I here. I believe they're <laughs> called Burr tanks, guys. Come on, come on. Come on. Come no, on. no, no. Well, we're back. I feel like we we deliberated for such a long time about what band to go with next, <laughs> and then we were just like, "Well, we're not done with Corn." <laughs> yeah. Oh, why Why would we not finish out Corn? They have so much career still ahead of them. <laughs> which i think was surprising to all of us <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i really think there's a part where we think the corn wall came down and there was no more corn <laughs> but Look, it turns I'm... out they just kept going <laughs> well i will I, w- I would like to point out though that cornwall england is where the arthurian legend originated so i don't know where i'm going with this but you said cornwall and so i did that yeah. Do you want to carry on with that thread for a few more minutes? No, but I do want to ponder <laughs> if if the corn belt has a corn curtain. <laughs> On the other side of the corn curtain, that's where we find ourselves. Sure. In the in America's corn belt. Yeah. In America's <laughs> corn basket, yeah. Yeah, in the in the cornhole. So when we left off, Brian Head Welch had just died (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ yeah travis was actually closer uh he he left the band for jesus and the band had just released the album take a look in the mirror which everyone fucking hated which is fine because i don't know right now is a pretty good song Oh yeah, you kind of like this album, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not. I, I don't remember listening to it, but I re-listened to it today to be like, wait, did we discuss this one already? And uh, it's fine. It's a corn record, you know. It, it doesn't sound less like corn. <laughs> no, previous. but I think the title's very telling. It's like if you like this, take a look in the mirror. <laughs> like you need to question some things and choices you're making we need to do some self-talk with you is is where we're <laughs> arriving also andy got syphilis from a hug 
last That's, time. No, that was. Oh, Andy, yeah, I'm so sorry. How did that happen? I don't I look, understand. How I'm you could looking possibly at have you. gotten syphilis? What? Oh, you should be keeping a safe distance. That's what we've learned. Oh, keep a safe distance. Don't hug a bear. You need to go back into <laughs> your fucking house. <laughs> I, I want look. I want to make it very clear to our listeners. But I'm looking at you. That is not syphilis bear singing because there is no such thing as syphilis bear. I'm looking. It's you, Travis, singing that song. Uh, my mouth was not moving until right now, uh, Andy. I, what you're having, I think, is called a psychotic break where you're <laughs> manifesting what you want to be happening. Are you? No, wait a making... second. Are you gaslighting me into accepting the existence <laughs> no, of a supernatural Andy. bear? That's not I'm how sim- this works. That's the opposite of what happens. It feels like that's how it's working, though. <laughs> it's syphilis lighting. That's what happens is that your brain's turning into mush because you gave me a hug. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. We have fun here. So the first thing that is uh, of interest when it comes to corn in this period. I think you mean to say con- concerning. The first thing that is concerning. Concerning about corn, sure. Uh, take a look in the mirror. It fulfilled the band's contract with Sony, at which point they decided to look for a new deal elsewhere. They, they, they partner with EMI and sign to Virgin Records. And what the fuck does that mean? Twist, the story behind this record deal is actually sort of interesting, which makes it an outlier for recording contract stories i think unless someone's getting like just brutally fucked in their recording contract and they die broke and sad that's always interesting but that's not what happened here the the factory records story is interesting about recording contracts uh i just watched 24 hour party people for the first time last night so i'm like oh that's an interesting recording contract story so it's in my brain sorry what did no. corn do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, their recording contract. Uh, they were the first major American act to sign what was called a 360 deal. Is anyone familiar with this? Is that where you play uh, Xbox for a while and then you're like, ah, fuck, man, let's make a record. Normally, record companies sell and make profits off of music and music only. And that all changed in the early 2000s when record label profits started declining because of file sharing. Thanks, Napster. In 2002, Robbie Williams literally changed the face of music. Here's the thing. Things were one way. Wait, hold on. Yeah, I'm not following. I need to picture things for a second. All right, I got things. Wait, hold on, hold on. I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right things. What, What things you got in there, Travis? Uh, there's a bear. Uh, <laughs> Not saying on, it. Yeah, he's big on hugs, and there's a disease that's communicable uh, through hugs. Uh, those are the we are I'm not okay. We don't have the same things, but that, I don't think that's important. As long as we each have things, they don't need to be the same. As long as we understand the the things mm-hmm. were one way. Yeah. Okay, I got it. And then Robbie Williams signs this record deal. Okay, so things times Robbie Williams, and it changes everything oh my god the way i'm picturing it now is the bear and the disease are one thing (laughs) 
exact that's almost exactly a perfect description of how a 360 deal works wow because <laughs> the, the deal robbie williams signed in 2002 in exchange for 157 million real american dollars and a promise to help him promote his wares and his output over the next few years Robbie Williams gave EMI a percentage of all future earnings, including ticket sales, merch sales, endorsement deals. So the kind of shit where musicians normally make their money while they're getting fucked by their record label, these deals made it so record labels could make up for the money they were losing to file sharing by taking money from an artist's entire revenue stream as opposed to just the music revenue stream. What is the advantage of this? But then, yeah, I, I, what the thing, here's the thing is I fail to understand the advantage for either party. Yeah. Because that's what the, I... the label is, is giving them way more money at the time than they regularly would have. Well, that's the thing. This was a pretty new concept at the time when Korn did it. Like I said, they were the first, they weren't the first American act. Uh, My Chemical Romance was actually the first, but they were a new band at the time. Yeah, this was what, 2004 or so, 2005? Uh, According to the notes here, 02 is when the Robbie Williams signed the deal, so I'm guessing around then. Yeah, and then it it trickles down to Korn in like 2005. (laughs) I think <laughs> trickle down, down to corn economics economics just like rain running down the tassels uh the husk into the into the corn you know corn economics uh <laughs> it just doesn't work you know because it doesn't it, it all stays with the uh, the top 1% of corn the money you know it doesn't go anywhere else <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> the rest of us are just reaching for those golden tassels is corn coffee? Is corn coffee going to be a recipient of uh, the bailout money? <laughs> They've gotten some of my bailout money. <laughs> They're going to repave the roads of America with corn coffee. <laughs> That's what it's best used for: is asphalt. Just Bakersfield. Just Bakersfield. So back to these deals. What you're both right, or whichever one of you said it, I don't give a fuck. But. These are a risky (laughs) proposition for both sides, really, because especially on the record label side, you're you're kind of you're you're gambling on this band staying together and still being profitable. And when you saw these deals signed by like Madonna and Jay-Z and shit, that made sense. Yeah, yeah. But when it's corn. I love that they're like, hey, man, we're going to give you a bunch of money. And they're like, cool, we'll take that money. And they're like, uh, by the way, uh, one of our guitar players is super into Jesus. He's not in the band anymore. And then they had just been going like, shit, shit. We invested in corn while one of them found Jesus. <laughs> this is one of those things on paper that looks like just another way for a, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation to fuck over small artists but it's not that simple you know like uh, well in the case of a big artist like like corn was still relatively big yeah they weren't small Uh, yeah they were just definitely on the decline 
And so for them, this deal was great. They got $25 million up front in exchange for they they promised EMI their next two albums and 30% of every dollar they earned for the next five years. And even then, people were skeptical. I found a quote from an LA Times article from back when this deal was signed and this was a a music management guy. He said, it might be one of those deals that revolutionizes the music industry. Or EMI might wake up one day and wonder why they just handed corn 10 years worth of profits. (laughs) It's just one of those deals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people were talking about corn enough for this to be in a news story i guess somehow hey man we'll take that deal but you gotta you gotta put the money where we want in the bank of dank that's where we keep our money it's where we keep our corn cash (laughs) corn cash it is surprising to me that they got this deal after one of their most unsuccessful and disliked albums yeah also metal in general had moved in a different direction by this time like even mainstream metal you know like the new metal wasn't i think system of a down was still pretty relevant but nobody else was anymore like it wasn't a vinge sevenfold going on around this time you had that kind of vibe going on you also had though like i mean pig destroyer released terrifier in 2004 and that album was a big well, deal I mean, for yeah, them that's just a landmark in my life is when pig destroyer put yeah. out terrifier yeah i, I mean, mean we obviously remember that pig destroyer album, metal album man uh, <laughs> like I don't know. There was there was other stuff going on though. Like uh, when are we doing Pod Destroyer, the big destroyer <laughs> podcast? Would, dude, you don't even know. You don't even know right how bad after I do we that. do Mustard Pod, the Mustard Plug. Oh, podcast. we still have to do a Mustard Plug <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I always forget about that. Yeah, Pod for Mojo. So the thing about EMI signing this deal and taking this big gamble on corn is there's a really simple reason why they did it. The nookie. <laughs> am I right? Yes. Or am I thinking of somebody else? Oh, okay. band. All right. Yeah. All right. Wow, Andy. They had already heard Korn's next album, and they liked it that fucking much that they decided to throw $25 million in Jonathan Davis's face. I'll take that money. Thank you. That next album was called see you on the other side and this has to be the weirdest twist Twist, in the corn story so far i have a question so corn had already recorded this record when they made the deal with emi they had i read an interview with monkey sure okay perfect yeah sure and he said they had 75 percent of it recorded by the time they signed this deal with emi Look, I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak ill of corn uh, members, but you can't trust Monkey's math. He doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, Field he's is a... the math guy. Field <laughs> is the math guy. That's who you want to talk to, because he's got it. Look, he's got to know about the uh, you know the water tables and the you know the crop rotation and the planting cycles. And it's really agriculture is math. Okay, I don't I don't care what anybody That's tells true. you. So the weird thing about this album. It's produced in large part by this pop songwriting collective called The Matrix. The Matrix, yeah. So this is what I was curious about. Did they go out and seek The Matrix out themselves? 
independently of any relationship with EMI or Sony. Like they put it's their own money. It's been a while, Adam, um, Andy and Adam. I don't remember totally, but if I remember, I think we're all in the Matrix, right? Is that how it right. works? And then you you get you choose to leave it. Yeah, this was Morpheus, Neo, and <laughs> who fucking... red pilled Jonathan Davis? That's <laughs> that's what I want to know. I think I think Jonathan Davis made red pills in his garage as a child. <laughs> I don't think yeah, anyone red pilled that was, guy. Uh, yeah. he, he wasn't making the red pills. He was taking the Sudafed, which are red, and crushing them up so that he could make the the meth. Uh, and meth meth is agriculture. Is what I meant to say earlier. Do the meth, you guys. Do the meth. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, though, I believe that EMI gets thirty percent of those pills that he sells. So that's also part of. The whole mm-hmm. package. You get whatever he yeah. says. Yeah, and there's no taxes on that because it's, you know, drug money. it's a church. Yeah, yeah. it's drug money. It's church of drugs. <laughs> it's a church. Yeah, it's, heads, it's, it's being distributed through Head's Church. Yeah. <laughs> but there was this weird trend, and I was trying to figure out if these – if Corn were the first guys to do it, but there was this weird trend in a while where – Guys who had been – or bands, rather, who had been established in rock for a while were taking on these totally – left field producers. Chris Cornell did it with Timberland. They did it with Matrix. I mean, even now, Queens of the Stone Age is, you know, doing albums with Mark Ronson. So it's like you're taking people in the pop world and you're bringing them over to this other thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out when this trend started. And it's weird to say, I think Corn started a trend. Corn changed everything. Things <laughs> were one way. And then okay. Corn found the Matrix. <laughs> And it all became math. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves goes, I know new metal now. <laughs> so the weird thing about them working with the Matrix is uh, up to this point, the Matrix had produced uh, Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. Also Complicated by Avril Lavigne and I'm With You by Avril Lavigne. Uh, so Yesterday by Hilary Duff. I thought you were going to say Avril Lavigne again. Why Can't I by Liz Fair, which was some pop music horse shit. The Remedy by Jason Mraz. <laughs> shit like that. Uh, yeah, so my first thought is we got to get uh, this duo with Corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a weird choice. And I, I, I feel like they probably reached out to Corn. Yeah, There's like, no I, real... I want to know the story behind that. I want to know who made that introduction. Yeah, there's no real word on how that happened. They also worked with Atticus Ross on this album, who is the guy that produced the Social Network soundtrack with Trent Reznor. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, because there's some Nine Inch Nails-y sounding stuff in this record. Yeah, but a, a good majority of it is written, not just produced by, but written with The Matrix. I don't know. It seems like, yeah, there was just this kind of thing happening around this time where rock bands were were working with producers like this but there's no real indication of how it came to be okay so the the matrix is okay i I, it says a song collective so i'm i don't know why i chose this but i just keep thinking of the two twins from the matrix movie i keep thinking of the albino (laughs) twins like that's who came in and produced the record from reloaded yeah yeah those guys (laughs) I mean, they don't look unlike that. They're in this link, the the 
middle link above this section in the notes, they do actually look like the Matrix. Oh my god, no. One of them looks like Dino Stantonopoulos. One of them <laughs> looks like a character from Community called Starburns. <laughs> yeah, they all look like they're on a Twin Peaks episode. That's true. That's exactly what they look like. They even have like the wooden background and that's yeah. great. So yeah, they're a weird bunch. Good for them. And they wrote Skater Boy. <laughs> if you look at a photo of them, you're like, uh, those are not the people who should be talking about skater boys. Like those are, <laughs> that's, it seems weird. They also worked with Shakira, but that's just fucking cool because Shakira is the best. This is a quote from Lauren Christie of the matrix with corn. We spent the first day watching them record and jamming. Then we went back to our studio to work and we came back with melodies and lyric concepts. That's how we made it work. We mainly wrote the songs with Jonathan Davis and then it says of corn in parentheses. <laughs> we fucking know journalist writing this. With Jonathan, we came up with melodies and lyrics. When we work with the band, we would be recording the band first, then develop the songs from there. Working with corn was an amazing period of writing. It flowed so well. All these ideas just came rushing out. We wrote 23 songs in three weeks with corn. We recorded full demos of all 23 songs. God damn. This is like, but this is like, uh, like movie stars who have to get in a certain shape for a role. And so a studio like hires them a personal trainer. So it's basically their job to just work out for like a couple months or like, you know, people working with tutors in school. It's like. They they need this. They're not going to write. Corn's not going to write another record on their own. They need these two guys. They need these three three people. They need the Matrix to uh, to help them. And then they come up with this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's that's easy for you now because. But then there's there's also the business politics of this where you go, oh, it was great. Like you can't go and badmouth someone you worked with unless you want to fuck up your whole ability to work with other people. Yeah, because it's a creative thing, but it's also this is. It's a job. This is work. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can go Marilyn Manson and shit all over the sneaker pimps when you do the soundtrack for Spawn, or you can be, <laughs> and be like, yeah, man, this is great. It's fucking the best. I loved working with Corn. Also, I bet it was fun. Like, that's the thing is, I bet that like by this point, this is fun for everybody involved to some degree. Yeah, I bet working with millionaires who don't have to make something is probably really less stressful than like, fuck, we have to make something. Give me something to make. I bet corn is just relatively fun in the studio when Jonathan Davis isn't sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a bummer. It's like with that guy, it's like he's always jerking off or he's screaming about why he's crying. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He's either always jerking off, screaming about why he's crying or uh, combining those <laughs> those two things into playing the bagpipes, which is basically the screaming while crying, jerking off instrument. It's bagpipes. Oh my god, that's perfect. That's why I and I love bagpipes. I uh, and that's that's why because that's 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 what that sound is. Yes. Here's the thing, though. This kind of worked. The album sold fairly yeah. well. Yeah, and the album's not bad. It's I yeah I actually like it. I think it's a good album. I mean, it's not great. No, it's not great, and it's regressive. In terms of the corn records I've listened to, it's the one I've hated the least. 
Well, it also kind of sounds the least like anything they did before. Right. That's very helpful for why I liked it. Like, yeah, yeah. That bass sound, <laughs> uh, they really, they, uh, they fixed that. <laughs> that was a, oh, here's your problem kind of moment. <laughs> well, also it seems like fucking Jesus guy was the problem. Like they got yeah. rid of, uh, got rid yeah. of uh, head and everyone's like, oh, what if we just made music now instead of like, uh, this guy's midlife panic or whatever was going on with him. Yeah, so, so did anyone take over head's duties? Uh, he was a big boy. I'm sure he could take over his own duty. God damn it. I I don't recall in the research them ever appointing a full-time replacement on guitar. Mm. And I think maybe Head and Monkey just play the same shit. (laughs) Either that or one of their jobs isn't that hard. (laughs) No, for sure. For sure it was Head. He was the guy (laughs) whose main job was to look at things that weren't there. That was his playing guitar. Was to just look up at things and pretend like imaginary UFOs and bugs were flying around. It's because he was having meth hallucinations the whole time. <laughs> or the Lord was speaking to him. There's there's two <laughs> possible answers. Is there a difference is the question. So, yeah, this album, it got good reviews. It sold pretty well. Mm. And it sounds good. It's it's a it's an interesting corn record. It doesn't. You're right. There isn't any of that slappity slap on the bass. Yeah, is there's there? like w- there's like two tracks that have kind of a little bit of the hint of it, but it's very subtle. And uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like I-, I noticed it because I missed it, and I I didn't want to miss it, but I did. Yeah, twisted transistor is a fucking banger. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I what like, opens uh, the whole thing, right? That's yeah, the, that's yeah. The... It's f- first song. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan of. I like hypocrites. And I like um, throw me away. Oh, I really like throw me away. Like that would have if I were if I were uh, if I were 15 years old when this record came out, that would have been my jam. Are we all corn fans now? I think we're I think we are. I mean, I still hate them, but I am a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm looking here to try and find out what happened after head left. And it seems like there's a guy named Rob Patterson who came in in 05, but then had a big fallout with monkey and was fired from the band because he had a monkey fight and they had to get out of the band (laughs) uh yeah it's 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 hard keeping a monkey (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna have friends over we've learned that time and time again throughout history I'm wondering if fighting with the corn monkey is a lot like fighting with other monkeys where when he's mad at you, he bites you about the face and genitals to demar you. That's chimpanzees, which are not monkeys, but apes. Nerd. Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, things seem to be on an upswing for the band. They put out this album. They get this great deal from EMI. The reviews for the album are decent. They're not amazing, but they're decent. Yeah. Not a bad day in the cornfield. On Wikipedia, some publication tried to sneak in a five-star review, and their link is red, which means their Wikipedia page doesn't exist. Is so. it Corn Magazine? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> My name is Jonathan Javis. I write for uh, the Corn Times. No, the Bakersfield Times. I give this five bagpipes out of five. This song is great. <laughs> Boy, I loved it. <laughs> so in January 2006, the band held a press conference at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, of course, 
of Corinth, sorry, <laughs> to announce the See You on the Other Side tour. The tour kicked off on February 24th in Bakersfield. Fun fact, 224 is Corn Day in Bakersfield. How hard do you think they tried to get 420, huh? I was just going to say, <laughs> every other day in Bakersfield does 420, bro. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. They also brought back the Family Values Tour in 2006. Did they invite Dan Quayle again? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. It would have been funny if they just did that again in 2006. <laughs> he probably would have went this time. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see all you fuckers going crazy in the quail pit. <laughs> <laughs> the quail pit. I just checked to see if Dan Quayle's still alive, and yeah, he is, so there's no God. <laughs> Beyond the quail. So, to put it mildly, things were on the upswing for corn, and God certainly wasn't going to stand for that <laughs> for any length of time in what, the 2000s. What dark sorcery do new metal bands possess that they are constantly thwarting God's attempts? I know. Remember Alien Ant Farm? Like a bus fucking fell on them. Are you serious? Did they get murdered? No, they didn't get murdered, but they got in a brutal bus accident. Yeah. Oh, did they get Cliff Burton? Like, just straight up rolled over and everybody's not well? No, they survived, but oh. it took them a while to recover. Yeah, I don't know. It's cursed. It's a cursed genre. Maybe it's the government, man. Trying to keep the privileged white man down. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to silence his voice. <laughs> By infiltrating the new metal scene and causing problems. What machinery did God put in motion? <laughs> to uh, take out corn? Glad yeah. you asked. Immune thrombocytopenic purpura. Uh, are you okay? Are you okay? I think I, I, think I, Adam, I got that. Adam, are you that. okay? Are you okay, Adam? <laughs> I think I came pretty close. You're pretty close. Pretty close. While promoting See You on the Other Side in Europe, Jonathan Davis was diagnosed with that, which we will call ITP. Oh, that is forward. that is an unfortunate acronym. ITP. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever had this? No. no. I mean, it sounds very specific. Basically, it means your blood doesn't have enough platelets, which... Sounds like a problem. Uh, well, you just got to invite him to the gathering of the platelets <laughs> where ITP is. Okay. Platelets. How do those work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is a real thing. Oh, this is sad. It's a real. Yeah, it's a real. Th almost killed Jonathan Davis. <sighs> That's rough. Here's a quote. I thought, hi, what's going to fucking say? Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was making those noises all the time. His <laughs> blood wasn't working. And he was just having a really hard time. Uh, oh, oh, wow. I had this shit called ITP, which means I had no platelets. <laughs> he says it. Which are the building... Uh, I'll just start over. Hold on. Yeah. Wow. I look. This sounds I, awful, and I and it sounds like one of those things that 
I my heart goes out to anyone who has this ITP though. Like why? So so let's let's reset. Take things back to normal. Here we go. Here's a quote from Jonathan Davis. I thought I was going to fuck him. <laughs> I had this shit called ITP, which means I had no platelets, which are Boy. the building blocks of your blood. <laughs> I was pouring blood out of my ass. My gums were bleeding. And I had bruises all over my body. Someone was looking out for me, though. I got to London and was sent to a doctor's office where they did blood tests. I got a call saying, get your ass to the clinic right now. It was fucking horrible. I like the someone was looking out for me, though, because that's the kind of thing that uh, uh, religious types always say. And Jonathan Davis, decidedly not religious. So he's just like talking about a manager or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he meant. I think he meant literally the person who called him and said, "Get your ass to the clinic." That's who he meant. <laughs> I thought he was yeah. like saying, like his buddy head, who's all Jesusy, like was looking out for him, like and praying. I, I took it as a positive, guys. I, I took it like, as a healing moment. Head prayed for him to get this. <laughs> And God said, oh, thank thank me. Somebody finally asked. Oh, my God. When we finally write the book of corn, which will be added to the New Testament, there will be a whole thing. And lo, head smoked, Jonathan. <laughs> the book of cornmen. First cor- Corinthians. This is, con- this is, oh, gosh. Okay. This is confusing to me because he says somebody, somebody was looking out for him. But he just all he did was go to the doctor. It wasn't like there was a thing and then there was a miracle cure or whatever. You know, he, and he, he just went, went to the doctor. But and you know when, when you're, you're you have blood pouring out of your ass <laughs> yes, and you're like, man, yes. someone's looking out for me. Someone's <laughs> got me. Like blood is coming out of him profusely. He's got weird bruises. That means go to the doctor. You should be looking out for you, Jonathan. Yeah. It's also, I think, just the symptoms of being in corn and from Bakersfield. Like, that's just going to happen to you. <laughs> I like to think he just got out of his cab in London and someone was like, blood coming out your ass, in it. <laughs> I might. You got a bit of, uh, you know, the blood, blood, tick, tickling out your bum, bum. Might want to see a doctor. And they hit him with a hammer in the head. And that's why <laughs> the next album was good. Sounds so different. <laughs> exactly. So... Jonathan Davis getting sick leads to a dilemma for the band. <laughs> oh. If you can imagine that. Why? Well, for one thing, they had an upcoming performance scheduled at the Download Festival. And if there's anything we know about this band, when it's one man down, it's band down. Like, we've had so many stories on last season about one person gets hurt or gets sick, and they're like, nope. We got to cancel the tour. We can't play this show. Mm -hmm. So surely with Jonathan Davis sick and unable to perform, the download festival is off. Has to be. You got the face of corn on the injured list. You would think. But no, they just performed anyway with a cavalcade (laughs) of guest singers from other bands. (laughs) So everyone else gets a sick day. How does here's my question, how does somebody else sing 
the very specific lyrics that Jonathan Davis came up with about that are very personal to him about his trauma and his life that (laughs) were also co-written by a collective. You just have to get together and you interview all the potential singers and you go, uh, let's uh, let's talk about your relationship with your father. Good, bad, where is it? (laughs) It also makes sense for them to do this because they're touring or they're doing this festival presumably what in support of the record they just released that they co-wrote with a pop collective and after doing a deal that's basically a business partnership with EMI at this point you know this isn't a band that's like oh we have to be super protective of our work now like no now they are a machine they just took these steps so it makes perfect sense to have these other sing like what who are the other singers though do they get like Cindy fucking Lopper? What's Oh my god. <laughs> that would be great. Just other like metal band singers. Like metal bands of the day. Yeah, so probably like uh, the guy from Disturbed Pig Destroyer was probably there. <laughs> I'm sure that guy took lead vocals on a couple songs. But yeah, that's a thing that when I was reading interviews about them signing this record deal, they got a lot of questions along the lines of, so you're feeling a lot of pressure to make that $25 million back? And at one point, it was projected that they would have to make $50 million by 2010 for EMI to actually recoup this money. Wait, what? what's that number again? $50 million by 2010. And this album came out in 2006. So I personally would not have bet on corn bringing in $50 million. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because because that's that's not even $15 million a year. Corn's yeah. got to make that much. Yeah. I mean, in the co- the coffee alone, you know? Yeah. The coffee, those hoodies, yeah. still a very comfortable hoodie that is somewhere <laughs> in quarantine, not with me. Don't you have like three of those now? Didn't they just keep sending you hoodies? No, they just kept sending me coffee. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you want. I would I would have loved to get three of those hoodies, but no, I just got a pounds and pounds of corn coffee. Oh my God. So they did cancel the remainder of the summer shows after Jonathan Davis got sick. So there was that. But I imagine, too, with this, that's going to set them behind, though, on this on this ticking uh, ticking clock they got. Yeah, I feel like that would just be a whole lot of pressure. Yeah. But even in that interview, the interview was with Monkey, and he was like, yeah, it's kind of pressure, but also what are, th- are they going to come break my kneecaps if we don't make it back? Are they going to come take my house? No. Like, they just got the shitty end of the deal if we don't <laughs> make that money back. So I get why they signed that deal, $25 oh, yeah. million yeah. up front. Yeah, plus head it just left, so you don't have to split you don't have to split it with that many people, right? Or did they have to pay out head, I wonder? No, I doubt they had to split it with him because he was already out of the band. And actually, if you take into account four people splitting twenty five million, that's gonna be it's five, six million dollars like each. Six million each, yeah. yeah. That's not a ton of money when you factor in taxes. They're going to have to pay managers and shit like that. Unless EMI 
covered all of that. And they're going to have to still be in corn. I mean, that's really taxing. <laughs> yeah, they still got to go make corn albums with the Matrix. <laughs> Some of them do. And I guess I don't know what their spending habits are. If they all still live in Bakersfield, they're all fine. Like, their first million dollars set them for life. When Head left, he was doing all of these kind of fuck you interviews talking about how rich he was. He's like, unlike my bandmates, I invested in real estate and not drugs. So he was always talking about how flush he was with cash and he, how he never had it to work again if he didn't want to. And this was after he found the whole religion thing? That's funny considering what Jesus had to say about rich people. Right. He was like, be like one. I think the song Hypocrites is about head. I think every song on that album is a <laughs> fuck you to head. Yeah. I that, mean, it's a the, very anti-religious album. Twisted Transistor, which is all about, like, be who you really are and play the music that's in you. Uh, I don't want to talk about politics, but this is about politics. Like... Oh, I hate that song. That song is such meathead garbage. Sure, but there's so <laughs> many things in there that's kind of like, fuck you, bro, and your church, too. Like, yeah, there's just yeah. so much anger that I don't think was collectively written. I think that's Jonathan going, I got this verse. I, I got it down. I got someone I want to talk to. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems very personal. It's It's a banger, though. The album itself, it's almost a pop album. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's much, it's much poppier and much more polished than they normally are. I, I don't want to, I don't want to get to uh, spoilers or anything here, but too late. I accidentally hit the wrong album when I was trying to listen to this record and uh, their newest record, which came out last year. Also not terrible. Didn't hate it for the 30 seconds I listened to it. Yeah, it's okay. I'm telling you, we're going to be corn fans by the end of this podcast. What are you talking about? We're going to be in corn by the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the equivalent of the clown in Slipknot in corn. I'm just going to be a guy hitting kegs on stage with a baseball bat to whatever Jonathan's screaming about. <laughs> this record did come out the same year as Unquestionable Truth Volume 1, right? I think they came out the same year, which I think is funny because that's Limp Bizkit trying to be Rage Against the Machine which was already by then a band that nobody really listened to anymore. Uh, well, no, because they were. This was like two years before they did their reunion stuff, their first reunion stuff. Yeah, but then Corn releases this record, which is them trying to be. I mean, it sounds like them trying to be Marilyn Manson a lot of times, even though he's still doing the Mike Patton stuff. There's a lot of Aussie stuff on it. There's so much Mike Patton stuff on there. And well, yeah, and Mike Patton, but the the record is named "See You on the Other Side," which is the name of an Aussie song. I wonder if that's intentional. I, it's just a common phrase, I think. It'd be like saying, "Wow, man, they called this blue." You know, there was another song called ah, "Blue." Okay, but you know what? I I honestly took the title as I I I feel like it was them giving a sneaky reference to the fact that they were kind of selling out. By working with the Matrix. Mm. Ooh, I took it as uh, take a look in the mirror and now we're seeing you on the other side. Like we we got through the looking glass. We're on the other side doing some really weird shit now. Oh, well, that makes more sense, Travis. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you're happy. <laughs> I think I'm going to be honest. I think it makes too much sense for that mm. to have been a deliberate thing that anybody <laughs> in corn thought of. They don't strike me as, you know, 
They're no. They're, these guys aren't. This isn't Vince Gilligan. You know, they're <laughs> these guys aren't David Simon. Oh, they're not paying imagine? off narrative beats. Can you imagine if Corn wrote The Wire? That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so the next stroke of bad luck comes in the form of drummer David Silveria leaving the band. Mm. Andy, do you remember your nickname for him? Silver Bullet, baby. That's the one. This is a crazy fucking story. He was having a bunch of back pain, so he goes to a doctor who looks at it and just says it, it looks like his back is out of place a little, gives him a bunch of pain meds, and he uses pills and massage to try and alleviate the pain. It just keeps getting worse. After a year, he finally goes to another doctor at which point he finds out his back had actually been broken that entire fucking time. So for a year, he was walking around with a broken back and playing drums for corn. Did he get it fighting Bane? (laughs) (laughs) I was born in Bakersfield, but the first time I saw (laughs) Bakersfield, I was blinded. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you break your back playing drums? How do you how do you just break your back and not notice? Well, uh, fun fact, you guys. Uh, Silver Bullet and I have a lot in common. I went through something really, really similar. And uh, it turns out uh, a lot of doctors just want to go, yeah, you're fine. Take these pills. That's just most doctors response to you even if you're like that's not supposed to be there what what is that mark what is all of this stuff ah you'll be fine go to physical therapy when this happened to you was your back broken um mine was more yeah there was a part that was a little fucked up in terms of the actual structure of it but i couldn't stand up straight for one two three four five years so uh i had a very i still have a bit of a curve to me but i literally could not physically make my body go up straight it was just so collapsed in on itself and like locked down that no matter how hard i pushed um i still didn't look right couldn't walk right i spent almost eight years uh not in the world so this quarantine is not that big of a deal to me yeah it sounds like you also had the perfect posture to maybe play guitar for corn (laughs) i did i was constantly looking for things that weren't there like my friends (laughs) You found us. So anyway, the silver bullet had to have screws and synthetic discs put into the vertebrae of his back. So did I. That's what I have. (laughs) Oh, twins. Yeah, twinsies. If you two ever meet, you'll have to show each other your your surgical scars. Oh, yeah. Mine's in the front. That seems. That's not where your back is. Your back is not in your front. That doesn't seem efficient at all. Let me tell you. Where did you get this done? (laughs) I got <laughs> there was a guy he was like I can do it for so much cheaper just lay down here uh and it was fine it was silver bullet that did it it was <laughs> it was yeah it was Sylvester himself when you do this surgery for whatever reason it's better to go through the front they have better access to all the shit that they have to like reassemble and put together so they open you up and they move all your guts out of the way and they uh they jackhammer your spine for a bit they literally use a little bones oh it's fucking gnarly i've seen it it's gnarly Ugh. sounds pretty awful Mm -hmm. but now i set off metal detectors if you know what i'm saying (laughs) because you're metal Uh, dude 
Because yeah, exactly. there's metal, yeah, yeah, metal, metal in your back. Yeah, yeah, bro. I have the same metal content as corn coffee. <laughs> we have the same <laughs> amount of iron in us. So this basically ends David Silveria's time in the band. He says that they just kind of quit talking, but it seems like it's a little more than that. It seems like they just kind of clean hated each other for a while. Around 2012, he started like alternating between feuding with the band, uh, including calling Fieldy a cowardly little bitch <laughs> during a chat with fans on a corn <laughs> message board. Wait, his password still worked? <laughs> they didn't kick him. They didn't. They didn't hit him with a band hammer on the message board after he quit the band. <laughs> Apparently not. This was a pirate corn <laughs> message board. <laughs> the pirates of the Cornabian. Yes. Hey, this is David Silvestri. I'm on Reddit right now. Used to be in corn AMA. My first uh, answer, first question I want to answer is that Fieldy was a cowardly little bitch. What's uh, any other questions? Also, his name's Silveria. He keeps oh, calling him Silvestri. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but he also around this time starts like lobbying corn fans to push the other members of corn on social media to let him back in the band basically (laughs) this is something he posted on his facebook page in 2013 corn fans need to flood the corn site telling them corn isn't corn without the original five i really really wanted the last word of that to be corn again corn again (laughs) I really wanted it to be the original five corn. corn fans need to flood the corn site telling corn corn isn't corn without the original corn corn. Jonathan Davis finally killed his dreams in August 2013. <laughs> God, I really thought that was going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Jonathan Davis finally killed him in August of 2013. <laughs> he tweeted, I will never, never play with him again. Actually, that's a double negative. That that could be a hint. That could be him coyly saying, "I will." It's like saying, "I will." I won't not do that. You know what I mean? It was probably a reference to the first single off of the album that was about to come out. The single was called "Never Never." Okay, wow. then, yeah, probably. I'm going to take that. this opportunity to use Twitter <laughs> to plug my new single and smash the dreams of my former friend. Good job, Jonathan. <laughs> But we're getting ahead of ourselves. That all happens way in the future, the the feud with the Silver Bullet. On the next episode, we're talking about a real milestone. Corn unplugged. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's something uh, different have, where I'm from. We have been talking about this since the first harvest, and I don't know if anybody else has had a chance to watch Corn Unplugged that's listened to our show. If you've only heard us talking about it, it's so much worse than we make it sound. It is the Star Wars Christmas specials of the Unplugged (laughs) series. You hear people talk about it. You know it's going to be bad. Then you watch it and you go, it's so much worse than I thought. I still haven't watched it. So I'm going to watch it, obviously, for the next one. But we're going to watch Corn Unplugged and... I'm going to be honest. I, I feel like finding a lot of information about it is going to be a challenge. I'm going to have to line up an interview with someone. Yeah. <laughs> line up the guy in the pig mask 
Who's that? <laughs> like a maybe fucking... Robert Smith from The Cure will talk to me about it. Maybe maybe he's, Reeves Gabriel, on it. who used to play with Bowie, will come in and talk about it. <laughs> the girl from Evanescence, whatever her name is, Amy she's Lee. On it. That's her name. Yeah, they do the. She's on Freak on a Leash. Oh, for some reason I thought they covered. <laughs> I thought they covered a Fleetwood Mac song. I thought they did like Gold Dust Woman or something. <laughs> Gold Dust Woman. I hope they do. One day. So that's our episode for now. This was fun. Is it? Was um, it? Yeah. What's for me? I I missed yeah, you guys. No, yeah, I missed you guys too. Yeah, we haven't recorded in a while. And here's the thing, like part of the reason we hadn't recorded was because uh, uh, our schedules made traveling hard. Mm-hmm. So maybe even after the threat has lifted, we still won't have to see each other and we can just record <laughs> this way forever. <laughs> so we got that to look forward to. I mean, to. then I will ne- literally never leave the house, though. I was only leaving the house to record it's, stuff with you guys. Yeah. And to film me at the gym and send it to me hours I, later. Look, I still walk by the gym sometimes and stare into the window. When the gym was open, I would constantly look out the window and go, is Andy there? Is Andy there? Is Andy watching me? What's funny is I only did it once, but you're gonna it's going to be in your head every time you go. Yep. 100%. So... <laughs> Either of you have any live stuff you want to plug coming up? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm barely <laughs> any alive. Shows? You got any shows? Yeah, I'm doing yeah, the Flappers look, virtual you, mic you, for $5. If you order <laughs> Flappy Fries from Flappers and you have less than eight people in your house, I will come by and do a set. <laughs> Stay in your house. Listen to Corn. Listen, yeah. to, listen to See You on the Other Side. It's a good album. Look, this is a, this is a good time to listen to corn. This is a good time to get that out of your system because uh, nobody's judging anybody right now. No. So no. so stay at home, listen to corn. You don't even have to do a private Spotify session. Just let your follower, let people see you're listening to them. Everyone gets it. Hopefully, a lot of you can corn from home during this. You know, you won't have to actually go out in public. <laughs> <laughs> so. We should probably wrap it up. All right. This was fun. We'll do it again soon. It's not like we have anything else to do. Wow, it got somber in here. It did. Yeah, it really did. It's not like we got anything else to do. Why don't we go talk about Corn Unplugged for an hour? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to watch Corn Unplugged 15 to 20 times between now and next week. And then uh, we're going to come back and talk about it. I propose we change format and we just watch Corn Unplugged every week for the next 52 weeks and just talk about <laughs> it every time we get together. Did you watch it again? I did. Was it any better? No, the guy in the pig mask still weird. Travis, look, things yeah. are bad. We don't need to actively make them worse. <laughs> Society is hanging on by a thread and you want to bring out the scissors, man. Exactly. I want the Twilight Zone where there's finally the time to binge watch everything. It's just like the Burgess Meredith, you know, famous one with the glasses. But the only thing left to binge is Corn Unplugged. (laughs) (laughs) There was finally time. (laughs) See you on the other side. We just become, we just like Galaxy Quest Corn Unplugged. Like we... (laughs) 
Like after out of the rubble forms a society based entirely on corn unplugged because it's the only cultural item we had. <laughs> this seemed to be the way they celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> According they to the historical every- <laughs> record, uh, there were bagpipes and uh, mm-hmm. bagpipe players were deeply respected. Mm-hmm. And you had to pick your tribe based on one of the members of Corn. Uh, I am the pig face man, so I have chosen <laughs> to lead my people accordingly. Oh. Hey, <laughs> let's get out of here. Andy, did, say goodbye. I did this, didn't I? I made I made this this way. Travis, say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.